people are very much sure of the future and everybody thought that they were going to become rich. In fact, many of them were about to become very poor. The Bank of Japan had been trying to control excessive borrowing since May. Over the next 15 months, it raised the discount rate by three and a half percentage points. By October 1990, the bears had cut the Nikkei's value in half. Property prices in central Tokyo fell by a third. Japan entered its lost decade. You are listening to Fruitless, a podcast hosted by me, Josiah Sutton. This is episode 19, Slip-Mouthed Worms from the Lost Decade, featuring longtime friend of the show, Jackal, where we discuss Noroi the Curse and Senritsu Kaiki File Koasugi File Number 1, Operation Capture the Slip-Mouthed Woman, as well as just J-horror in general, and uh, a good video essay by the Worst of All Possible Worlds. Hello and welcome everybody to a- another exciting and-, and spooky episode of Fruitless. We are uh, we are continuing our series, our-, our October series that I'm I'm churning out as quickly as I can here <laughs> in the last like in the home stretch of the month. And uh, I am I am joined today by uh, you know longtime collaborator, a friend of the show, consistently uh, re- going to be reoccurring guest quite a lot. That you know him. It's Jackal. Hello, 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 everybody. It is so nice to be back here in HD. I don't believe I've been on Fruitless with my proper microphone. You've not. You have not. Yeah, that's right. It's it's only been Mammonberg and, and Good Apples. You you have not been on Fruitless uh, with a with a good microphone. <laughs> no. This is this is my debut here in HD. I am I'm very excited. Jackal in 3D. <laughs> Man, that means I I have not been putting out enough fruitless. That's what that communicates cuz you've had this microphone for over a year now. <laughs> that is true. That is true. This is this is not a new development. I've had this for a while now. No, no. Cuz I said Jackal in 3D and I'm like, "Oh, that was the name of a Babbenberg episode." Oh my god, that was the name of a Babbenberg episode a year ago. Uh, yep. <laughs> no, but um, as I've been doing, I've been asking people to come on and talk about some horror movies of their choosing. And so uh, Jackal picked out, um, I mean, kind of in general, like focusing on J-horror as a subject. And then specifically, uh, Noroi the Curse and what is the full name of the other one? Senritsu. Let's see if I can say it all. <laughs> Uh, Senritsu Kaiki File Kawasugi File 1 Operation Capture the Slipmouthed Woman <laughs> Something you gotta understand going forward is in terms of a lot of Japanese media uh, really long titles Yes, yes, I, I see <laughs> Well, this one has also got kind of compounded because it's uh, this is the first of a, of a series and so um, Seven. You know, all of them are yeah all of them are Senritsu Kaiki File Kawasugi File Number whatever the next number is so two three four five six seven and then the rest of the title. Um, but we're gonna focus just on the slip mouth woman this evening. So I yeah. I was not going to make Josiah watch all seven movies. <laughs> we'll return to that. We'll return to that. Well, if I can even find them, I, I also discovered they're not easy to find. They're not the original. 
What? Okay, so the original one that I had watched back, oh man, last year, I think. Yeah, it was last mm-hmm. year when I watched it. That original upload is gone. This is a new yep. one that I sent you. There are two distinct new ones that you can find on. If you can look up the title on YouTube, you should be able to find them. And if you can't find them right now, just give it a minute. It'll come back at some point. Mm-hmm. They occasionally get taken down. There's not a U.S. distributor for these movies. Mm-hmm. But no, it's that's kind of weird because Koji uh, Sureshi, um, you know, is the same director, you know, for for Senritsu and also for Noroi. Which in Roy's like a recognized movie, like that is a that is oh, a yeah. recognized J horror classic to to some, and so you would think then the series he did after that, the series that then uh you know was was considered within Japan his is magnum opus that doesn't get any U.S. distribution apparently, crazy. It's weird, yeah. Like you you wouldn't think you would have thought that by now Shudder. Would have picked it up, considering right, Shutter picked yeah. up the other movie that we're talking about today. But no, no, they haven't, mm. not yet. I, I, I certainly hope that at some point it will change, uh, especially with how well this movie series is kind of getting circulated by word of mouth by the horror community on the internet. It feels like eventually mm. we will get like an official American release of of these you movies to, right? but it's odd that it hasn't happened yet well it seems like i mean i feel like something some like cult movie like even just like boutique kind of blu-ray w- would be able to find a way to do the get the rights to do it you know it seems like it would be really ripe for that but i don't know it's 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 strange another key thing to keep in mind is that the translations here then are they're not official <laughs> these are fan so just <laughs> keep in mind if if we get an official translation there's probably going to be some differences some, some in terms changes. of on how things are translated and localized into English. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I could definitely tell <laughs> that the translation, the 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 uh, subtitles were not being done by a professional. There was some really strange phrasing that kind of felt like Google they were Translate. trying their best. I, I will not cri- <laughs> yes. I will not critique the translator team. They were these were fans who were trying their best. Uh, Trying their best, yes, yes. You can watch these movies even with the fan translation and get the story and the acting down pack outside of a few odd cadences that I I don't even necessarily know if are issues of translation or just the way that some of these characters say things. That's also what I couldn't tell because you can tell there's kind of like a real... you know, unscripted, you know, improvisational style being done in, in, uh, you know, both of these movies actually. And so then because of that, it's, it's hard because I don't know, is, is the translation struggling because they're, you know, because the translator just doesn't know this like idiom or whatever, or is the translation struggling because the characters are like talking over each other and, uh, just talking strangely. <laughs> Uh, Noray does yeah. not have this problem because Noray uh, has a official English translation. Now, uh, on top of these two, I also brought, um, you know, I, I to, if we're talking J-horror broadly and then using these to focus on, um, I wanted an excuse to also bring up uh, a really fantastic YouTube video essay by the worst of all possible worlds that was back back they they used to do video essays before they uh, started podcasting and their video on Kiyoshi Kurosawa's Pulse came out during COVID um and it it's honestly one of uh one of the best just like i i would still want to be talking about it right now if i didn't like know them from podcasting like it was just a 
It's very good. It is a very good video. <laughs> it's a very well produced video. I I was not familiar with their video essays, and this was the first one that I watched based off of uh, the you know behind the scenes talks that Josiah and, and I had had about. Hey, do you want to do a Halloween ep- episode? Sure. What do you want to do it about? Oh, J horror. And then you you brought mm. that video up about about Pulse, and it's really good. It's a very well produced, well written video essay that makes me kind of sad that they haven't done more very understandable why they haven't done more but man it's watch it you'll see it's mm-hmm. it's kind of one of the best video essays honestly yeah it's 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 kind of shocking it's up there how uh how few views it has um so doing my part to, to hopefully raise that view count a little bit here but um i why i think you know what i really like about the video essay and i'm i am kind of uh, indebted to them with my thinking about Japanese history um, is is really them connecting the sen- the 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 emotions of the lost decade in the in the 90s and early 2000s and really actually kind of onto the present um, in Japan with um, kind of post recession and pandemic era America um, and that's that's a that's kind of a comparison that I think was. You know, I, I'm sure maybe it, I don't know if it, it is unique to them, but it has has been uh, something that has stuck with me um, quite a bit. So I, I, I think it's a uh, it's it's helpful to give you some historical context if you're getting into. Well, I mean, you should get into J horror because J horror is cool. But if you're getting into yeah, it, like that's, to kind that's of the main like, reason that you should get into it. You know, kind of pull pull these like political readings out of it. I think I think they add some really good context to it and kind of connect it to your you know kind of the experience of the last few years really well. Um, so yeah, maybe, maybe I will give that, uh, I'll give some of the context real quick, like the historical context before we get to the movies so that they can kind of just like linger, linger over the movies. Um, okay. I'll do a speed run of this history real quick around between 89 and 91 or so, uh, the Japanese economy crashed. Um, it, it crashed for some, you know, kind of complicated economic reasons that I'm, uh, you know, not really I, I don't think it would be worth to get too deep into but it it's kind of analogous to the uh the great recession in the u.s there's there's some pretty important differences but but on the whole there's it's kind of a you know it was, it was based off a real estate crash and you know speculative An economic uh, bubble assets. popped yeah. and it led to a a a daisy chain that resulted in some really really bad uh economic and financial stagnation and outright collapse that is still affecting japan to this day yeah and this is coming off of um the 80s which was you know the tail end of what is called like the japanese economic miracle they they had this huge growth in post-war japan um and you know the first half of that growth that that post-war era they were primarily growing based off exports and then eventually what they did was they kind of returned to an isolationist uh, approach toward the second half, like toward the eighties. And um, then they turned all that stuff. They'd been exporting all those consumer goods inward. And so the eighties is this kind of explosion of consumerism in Japan, this like, you know, big, like birth of like the middle class, as you imagine it in America gets really, you know, really becomes this like force in Japan. And it's, but because of the crash of the nineties, it's a short lived kind of thing. Um, this also ties up with uh, Japanese business, like like hiring practices. So 
when it comes to like higher level, like like middle class white collar positions, right? Businesses hire like they only ever promote from within. They don't hire outside for higher level positions. So when you get right out of college, there's a really intense process of trying to get hired at a business and then lifetime employment. So you yeah. you really have a a year after college to find what's going to be your job for the rest of your life. Well, the economy's not doing too hot in the 90s. What do they do? They they pause hiring. And it's really hard to get hired again, you know, once you have missed that, you know, that graduating college age. And so, you know, over a million uh young adults just are, you know, what are referred to as the lost generation, which is never hired and are still stuck working either like living stuck, living with their parents or working shitty service jobs, low wage pay. Um, this coincides on top of it with like the, the video game boom. Um, so there was just like this real era of people kind of withdrawing inward. Um, this, a lot of this lost generation just stuck living with your parents you know, the game console is here now, so I guess I could just play Sonic all day. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, a really tragic period of history. And, you know, it's associated with really high, um, you know, suicide rates. But then also, um, you know, it, it accelerating the declining birth rate, which is something we, we still hear a lot about, um, you know, Japanese, J- Japanese government, like trying to figure that that population decline problem out so you know you have all all this this kind of uh i don't know really rough period of the 90s and uh, right around the tail end of the 90s is the beginning of what you know what we think of as the j-horror boom this is like when ringu comes out this is when you know pulse comes out this is you know an era of these particular movies about you know loneliness and about depression and suicide uh suicide club comes out around this time you know like um you know a lot a lot of movies focusing on this topic in the sense that uh you know the the future's been canceled in the you know fisher sense it's kind of the japanese um you know there's is, is that's that's what that that sentiment we kind of associate with fisher writing after the great recession is is very present i think in the you know in the early 2000s japan so um i think that's that's kind of the the most of the most of the historical context there i kind of wanted to throw in there um oh on top of that there was also i mean a real sense of uh you know a, a new era beginning and not really sure how this era is going to be because the the emperor died, um, you know, and this was the emperor for the entire post-war Japanese period uh, died. Yeah, this this was the the figurehead who peop- it, the closest that I can imagine is imagine how imagine if like FDR didn't die until like the 80s or 90s. Yeah. And, and he just he just kept getting reelected president. <laughs> Let, let's go along with that. Uh, and then he died. It's like. It's like your world shatters. It's mm-hmm. a cornerstone then, of your conception of reality, uh, of just how things are supposed to be, and then suddenly everything's being thrown. Well, and it's, and it's being you, know, you, you have that, yes, because that's that's in a you know nineteen nineteen eighty nine. You know, is is when when he dies, and it's it's a really fucking weird era for Japan for a number of reasons. One is because like, you know, the 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 dating system in Japan is based around these like eras that are based around the emperor. So it's, it's, 
that's that's what makes it i think hard to imagine for americans you know like kind of listening to this or whatever is like you know this this represented a real shift like it would be represented in like how you write the date you know what i mean like it's a, a real real shift um we don't have a a we don't name our our calendar dates off of oh like we use the obama era we use the trump era we use the bush era, right but, but we're not saying obama one obama two you know like that's not <laughs> how we date the, perhaps we should this is an idea that i think we should keep keep open mm, i'm just saying yeah, that I, it's not necessarily biden a three bad right idea. now we're biden three <laughs> it feels like a biden three yeah yeah, it does. Um, and you know, on top of that, like there's um there's also just a it was just a really weird period for um Hirohito's death, the the emperor, because um he uh so so there's you know, of course, like one of the other, you know, uh a- another practice that's that's popular in Japan that is is not in the US is not telling terminally ill elderly people that they are dying. Um it, it seems like a cruel thing to to kind of push that like grief on an elderly person. So they usually inform the family. And so there was a weird like kind of attempt to do that with the emperor who had cancer. Um, there was like like the press wouldn't be talking about the emperor who was clearly dying. There was just like a weird silence about a thing that was just obviously happening uh you know on, and then on top of that like you know he died he died on the the 7th of january in in 1989 and you know they they paused like uh new year's celebrations and stuff so there was just this like period that actually one of the things that actually sped up the economic crisis was the the lack of like money going into uh hotels and conference centers for parties and stuff for new years because there was no celebration of new years okay so that that's all like these weird little things but i think they should just kind of float in the back of your head that like when when these movies are coming out of Japan, there's a sense that they are like like there's a generation that's just living at the end of an era and a very Think of how unsure you feel future. Now. Think of how you <laughs> yes. feel now. That's that's how. Which of course, like that's the thesis statement of of the the video essay from the Worst of All Possible Worlds pods. Mm. That's and I I th- it's weird going back to that when that was talking about 2020 and now it's like. A completely different, not completely different, but the circumstances of the end just have continued on. They didn't end, and they didn't really change. They just, they changed. They shifted and morphed, but it still feels like we're at the end of some kind of era. We just don't know what yet. It's, it's, we are at a period where, um, yeah, there, there is no visible future. And, um... I know that's this is a cliche thing, um, and a, you know a cliche among me especially. Like I repeat the Mark Fisher shit all the time, but it's because I just haven't found something that expresses an emotion I have all the time better than this sense of being unable to imagine the future or the end of capitalism or whatever. Um, yeah. So okay, I, I think that's enough context to to move us into the actual films here. Do we want to start with uh, Neroy? Yes, let's start with if we're going to be honest, probably the better of the two. Oh, definitely the better of the two. <laughs> I, I I don't know if the the Senritsu movies get better as they go though, because you know they these, do, they do. I've, Strong. I've, 
strongly I've seen people say it's like his magnum opus so i i assume they get better as they go for sure significant uh <clears throat> they get significantly better even just like like the second one it's like a leap in 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 quality and then you just keep going until you get to the final chapter and it's this fucking nuts lynchian end of the world kojima-esque i i don't even know how to describe it it goes from what the first one is to a apocalyptic log I, I, i'm not gonna say more it gets really good and well, weirder you know and that's and that's what uh neroy i mean neroy kind of has that feel too um is that that real apocalypse like kind of lovecraftian uh feel to it all it's um man how do how do we pitch this movie quickly so it's it's a found footage film um which uh is is funny that this month ended up being found footage month at uh fruitless because everyone picked found footage movies um, i think there's got to been a like a, a a renaissance of going back to found footage so that's probably mm-hmm. not that that we're kind of going yeah. back and realize there's kind of an art here we we ragged at it because there was a bunch of bad movies that came out of the genre but there's like there's something mm-hmm. here yeah there's a lot of bad ones of course but like i think I think that yeah, there there might uh, maybe maybe because the burnout isn't as as bad as it was like mid twenty tens or whatever. Maybe we're you know maybe there's kind of a reappraisal going on right now. I, I know I know when I talked to Josh on the Patreon about the Last Exorcism, um, that that movie has had a pretty good reception. So like there there are people there are found footage movies that still you know have been kind of reappraised or whatever. But yeah, um, so Neroy is, yeah, it's a found, found footage movie. It's, it's also got, it's a little closer to like a found footage documentary type thing. It's, it's, it's more in the documentary style, um, following a paranormal investigator. And it, it feels like it's a lot of unconnected threads and they slowly start connecting in, in increasingly upsetting ways. <laughs> yeah. I, I forgot how how disconcerting this movie can be oh because it doesn't necessarily (laughs) just from the way that it starts it you get that all right it's not a spoiler the main character uh the the paranormal investigator disappears we we kind of know what happened to him uh it's nothing good Mm -hmm. no well don't don't worry about spoilers because we'll we'll probably go through all the movies (laughs) well okay so then then this is your spoiler warning now we're going to be talking about these movies in quite a bit of detail if you don't yeah, yeah. want these details to be exposed to you without having seen them before please go and watch uh nori it is on shutter it's very good mm-hmm. you can find the center two files right now on youtube and if you can't find them there then just go hunting around on twitter if that website is still around or reddit or different horror community someone will will have the links for you watch them if you want to if you don't want to well we'll get into it now yeah we're gonna go ahead and spoil it all yeah so um but yeah so so there's kind of the these yeah yeah we we find out that uh kobayashi the the paranormal investigator he he died while working on a documentary called the curse and so now we're gonna see the footage from the curse edited with you know related stuff with with yeah. b-roll when it's necessary when with chunks of tv when it's necessary uh which gives it a really unpredictable feel it feels like a tv documentary yeah absolutely 
it feels um it feels also really unpredictable like when it goes black and then it's going to come back you know with something you don't you just like don't know what's going to be next <laughs> like when when it starts out kobayashi's just investigating you know some some strange occurrences um you know this this woman's hearing the sound of like crying babies in her home and stuff like that and you know but like just you know, and you, you get kind of into that. You're like, okay, yeah, yeah. It's a paranormal research movie. Suddenly we cut and suddenly we're watching a television program where there's a, a group of children and they're trying to figure out if one of them has psychic abilities. <laughs> so fucking we- Like when you watch this for the first time, it feels like a jump cut that you've gone to a different movie. Yeah. You're like, what the hell? <laughs> but then you keep watching and things start to tie together as just i said in ways that increasingly get more disturbing yes and so yeah we, we see one of the only one of the the this this young girl um kana yano um is the only one who has these like psychic abilities and you know she has these like scary psychic abilities <laughs> you know like it, it, it's it's genuine it's not just like oh she can guess these things like these cards or whatever it's like she can draw stuff that, no, you know, for, she hasn't seen and yeah, yeah. For the sake of this movie, psychics are a a real thing. This is not a very real. Mm-hmm. This is not a, a a a guess. There isn't a scam. There is a genuine psychic clairvoyant ability that she has and a connection to something. And then you know the third thread is this um is is another guy Hori who's this um kind of like eccentric uh. Or he's kind of this like I think that he's a uh, you know I'll show my cards with this straight up is is I think that he's really representative of the hikikomori the the kind of like shut-ins that are really infamous from the the you know lost generation I I don't think that's being subtly communicated at all there and so yeah he's this this yeah locked up you know guy who locks himself in his home and he's he's you know, just clearly very, very unwell, but he's seeing visions of fucked up stuff. Specifically, um, as he says, ectoplasmic worms that are um, eating the future. <laughs> and he has to wear tinfoil and cover his his house in runes, spells, wards of some kind to keep mm-hmm. whatever he keeps seeing away from him. Yeah. And so, yeah, th- these these kind of threads all start to slowly connect. the The investigator ends up meeting, I I believe, meeting all three of them um, throughout the the kind of ne- you know first half of the movie. You know, asking them questions and stuff. Um, and uh, I, be- I believe it's it's researching you know researching a um, God, how, man. How does this movie happen? <laughs> there's so many things that happen in this movie it's hard to like it's it's hard to recap it like it feels like it's more of a when you're watching it you kind of just go with it but when you're trying to recap it in a a conventional plot line it feels like why the fuck did this happen yeah no this is connected to here but um, kobayashi the the paranormal investigator is the the link to all of these people he's met all of them investigating Mm -hmm. that there's some something all these disparate people are connected by this symbol and noise yeah there's this um there's this specific the word uh kagutaba or kagut kagutaba um which is like 
you know, which they, they begin to figure out is the name of uh, a demon. And well, you know, yeah, so maybe, maybe, maybe instead of fully, fully trying to go through each detail, like how it's revealed, we'll just say like what comes out. So there is this uh, village that was demolished in 1978 and the villagers practiced a regular ritual where they, they do this ritual to keep the the demon creature whatever this is kind of ambiguous the thing the force that is kagutaba there's something (laughs) kagutaba is not i think there is something unknowable there's some unknowable thing that they for the sake of human language call it a demon but it's Kind of clear that it's something else was summoned and is being kept placated by these these rituals. And um, but then, of course, they uh, they uh, demolish the village to make way for a dam. And now the the place where that village once was and the site where this this force was trapped is now under the water and has been under the water for, you know, uh, several decades now. And nobody's done the ritual and clearly the force is getting out and it it needs a host it needs a it needs a human body to go and interact in this brave new world oh man how does the okay how do the illegal abortions fit into this again <laughs> oh <laughs> fuck i forgot about that oh man okay i think I really do suggest that you watch that. That if you're still listening to this, please watch the movie. I, I just watch the movie. <laughs> just watch the movie. This will this will feel more like because we. It feels impossible to recap the the abortions are because a lot oh, of oh. the the oh okay I, I remembered now it is that um the the woman that originally called Kobayashi um because she was hearing the sound of the crying babies um had worked. Uh, at a nursing school where she helped perform a bunch of illegal abortions um, and then stole the fuck. Process. Yeah. That's yeah. what it was. Oh my God. <laughs> oh yeah. Do you, do you remember that part where, where, where they're being swarmed by, by undead embryos? Yes, I, I do. <laughs> oh my God. I, I, I kind of wish that I didn't. I forgot about that when I, cause I first watched this movie like a, like I think a year or two ago. And mm. coming back and watching it again was pleasant in that I enjoy the movie, but also there are some things that this movie does that I didn't necessarily want to be reminded of. Yeah, yeah. The, the movie will, will get upsetting if it needs to. Um, and it, it's, it's not overwhelmingly so. Second. No. So, yeah, uh, um, essentially, they they continue trying to investigate this and decide that they eventually need to perform the ritual to kind of put this force back, you know, back into power or back into the, you know, underwater. And, uh, yeah, you know what? Do you do you want want to see if you can get us here? (laughs) Oh, man. Um, Okay, so they go to. My favorite trope of a character, which is the uh, the historian science man at the university that has all the information, mm-hmm. and they get the lowdown of, okay, this is what happened. There was a village, 
something was summoned. They call it a demon, but it's not exactly a demon. It is something otherworldly, clearly, and it's being placated by the by this ritual, and it hasn't been conducted in this amount of time because of the onward march of mechanization and progress, and shit's about to get fucked. So we gotta go do this ritual. The issue is that no one has ever recorded what the ritual is. They never written it down. They did record it visually, which was odd. I was I I don't understand why you would record this, but they did. It's yeah, it is. It's uh yeah, because they they is they like it seems to possess one of them usually when it happens and then they'll fall down just screaming and in terror. So it it it, it doesn't feel like it works. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, when you watch the ritual, you're not like, oh, they trapped it. It's like, did you? Like, what did you do? (laughs) So, okay, so that the... The idea... So they they used uh, Kagutaba as, like, a... Like, an assassin to to kill people for, like, Mm -hmm. enemies of the village, which is, in my opinion, a bit of overkill. Yeah. (laughs) Just, 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 Just slightly. So... They they find that, okay, this thing is trapped underground. We have to annually perform this ritual to pacify it or it is going to get out. And we don't want this thing getting out. So Kobayashi like goes to a archivist, Tanumura. Uh, he he shows Kobayashi like, um, like filmed footage of the last performed ritual before the village was destroyed. So mm-hmm. they see it and that Kagutaba is, it is this fucking humanoid thing with a deformed an asymmetrical human ish face. Mm-hmm. So the ritual goes wrong. Yep. <laughs> the, the priest's daughter falls, uh, she just starts screaming. We consider that something really bad happened to her. Just like another character, uh, Mariko, uh, who when she falls down screaming earlier in the movie, that's what kind of ties that, oh, okay, this is why she fell like that. This is why all of these reactions that like people have had in the movie, this is the beginning of a, of a possession. Mm-hmm. This happens even though this, the, the ritual is being done, you know, correctly. Leaving that there's no explanation, like, how the fuck do we actually trap this thing? Yeah. So he tells uh, Kobayashi that, like, the vig- villagers all, like, they they went to a specific na- neighborhood. And Kobayashi then goes to go find these people. And he also reveals that that woman is is still alive. That uh, her name was uh, Junko some- Ishii. I, I think. Ishii. Yeah, yeah. The, Ishii, the, Ishii. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't think I quite explained this super well, so this just quick thing that'll help is, um, yeah, when they, they got called in, they were investigating Ishii, a neighbor is who called them in. I think I said the wrong thing earlier. A neighbor called in about Ishii, and Ishii is like, you know, one of the last, yeah, like you mentioned, last surviving uh, members of this this village, and she's, or she, she uh, she's one of the people that, that is from this village. And she has been hiding away and keeping her young chi- y- uh, young child locked up. So, um, and apparently she also, you know, was involved in these like illegal abortions and all this shit. And so it's it's kind of clear that she's gotten really fucked up. 
<laughs> from from doing that ritual. <laughs> and none of none of the former villagers want to talk about this. They they really do not want to either relive it or they even give Kobayashi like any information. There's like one guy who eventually does, but you can even see he's pretty hesitant to give it. Yeah. It's they it, it's this idea that like you if you don't talk about it then maybe it will go away maybe it will stay down there mm-hmm, right but the fact that these odd circumstances keep happening in this location indicates that there is something it is it, it's starting to come up and so yeah they they um you know as we had said they they try to do the ritual it doesn't go well and uh they clearly got someone possessed and you know hori the the kind of shut in uh you know kind of neurotic um uh psychic guy is like going nuts and so um kobayashi you know delivers uh marika who who seems to have uh been possessed and hori to the hospital um and then he goes and breaks into ishii's home where they find that Ishii has hung herself and the the young boy who we've never really been able to see throughout the movie is is hiding there. Um so Kobayashi decides to adopt this boy. They they go back, they talk to the historian um and find out that um what that that Kobayashi or sorry that that uh Kagutaba um was was first originally summoned um by having a bunch of like murdering a bunch of baby monkeys and feeding them to a medium which they then realize that's what ishii was doing with the aborted fetuses which she was trying to um you know feed them to um oh god to oh right because she so she kidnapped the psychic girl from earlier and um yeah and so was trying to feed the the fetuses to the to the psychic girl uh from the beginning and uh yeah uh, apparently kobayashi disappears shortly after this um after hori's place in a mes- mental institution um and you're, all that's left is a you're missing the point oh, where he decides he decides i'm gonna fucking walk into the woods while all, while all of this is going down which is the worst decision right. that you could ever that make that was a really bad fucking idea <laughs> <laughs> that was that's right after the ritual i believe um oh, yeah because yeah, i think Mar- marika gets possessed and when she gets possessed she just bolts off into the woods and he follows her so he clearly something fucked up happened in those woods anyway the the last tape we have of kobayashi and then i think we have all the pieces on the table so we can just t- talk about the movie more broadly um yeah last tape of him shows that um the the hori arrives all freaked out reveals that apparently the kagutabas in the the young boy that you know kobayashi is as adopted and uh you know cory tries to kill the child with a rock and then the uh the psychic girl kana appears in the corner so yeah he, he kills kills the boy um, who starts to take on the appearance of Kagutaba and um, it, 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 someone sets himself on fire and the whole place burns down. <laughs> like this and is Ko- a vibe Koyashi. movie. This is a this vibe is, movie. <laughs> it, it's, when you watch it, it, it makes, I, I promise you, it makes you a lot more this, sense. It if makes you watch so it. much more yeah. sense versus someone trying to recount it to you. It's a vibes movie, and the vibes are fucking fucked, buddy. There is something real, yeah. something real evil happened a while ago, and we're trying to deal with the consequences of it as it's trying to escape. That is the 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 rough 
very rough premise yeah premise of it is that dude who is a paranormal investigator who it's implied that there's like real shit that he's investigated to it isn't he's not a like a charlatan he's Mm-mm. it's genuine there's like a genuine belief and reality of like the supernatural in this movie the fact that like the the presence of psychics are not questioned they're just a part of reality just kind of goes that this movie isn't the reality of the movie is not questioning the supernatural it is what is behind it and why is it doing this yeah because uh this is something that um you know is in the the worst of all possible worlds video but it's it's um you know it seems to be kind of consistent something you know brian says in that and it seems to be consistent with all the j-horror i've watched which is that um in general it just like doesn't waste a lot of time with the whole oh is it real or not you know as like a lot of a lot of horror movies you know um out of the u.s that you can think of in the, especially the last few decades like a good chunk of the plot is is convincing everybody that something supernatural is even happening in the first place um which can be can be worth it with the plot. I think it like really benefits the last exorcism, uh, for instance. That's the big theme in the first first film of that. But I really like with a lot of J horror where they're just like, yeah, yeah, ghosts are real. Let's like move on. Like, <laughs> you know, like yeah, we're just it gonna doesn't concern. That. Yeah, it's like yeah, all right, ghosts are real. I'm not gonna fucking explain the 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 dynamics of that or why they're real. They're fucking real. Let's move on. So. There's a couple things that this movie made me think of when I watched it. I think, um, I think the kind of lost decade generation, lost generation politics stuff there is, is pretty, pretty on the, like on the nose. I think that's not hard to read into it at all. Um, you know, the, the kind of constant like theme of there's like these worms, this force eating the future and, you know, I mean, in the, in light of the declining birth rates becoming this huge crisis, this whole like you know, thesis of like the illegal fetuses being fed to this, this monster, you know, to, to grow a monster of some sort, some Lovecraftian entity. Um, I, I just don't, uh, I, I think this, it's pretty apparent where, where, where what, what's kind of going on there. I think the, the other thing I was thinking of is this actually made me think of in light of um, reading late Victorian Holocaust recently, um, a, a big chunk of it, like one of the big arguments Mike Davis uses in the book is that, um, you know, one of the the biggest, most like one of the most damaging things that happens with colonialism is the destruction of traditional um, systems that usually fed people during famines. You know, there there were kind of these like traditional structures, traditional like um, obligations and stuff that were often built into a society to prevent a famine from happening. And when capitalism gets introduced, it erodes those institutions and makes the famine worse. I was thinking of that with the notion of this ritual that had been practiced for God knows how long getting destroyed just to make a new dam in the seventies during the, the real prosperous hyper capitalist era of Japanese history um and, and not the realizing the that. forces that are being unleashed by destroying these things ad hoc you know just just like that you know well when you put it like that it's pretty on the nose just uh... <laughs> but, like yeah there's this sense that like because of the decisions of the march of progress made during the 70s and 80s 
is now coming to haunt the remnants of the 2000s. This list, there's a real listlessness here. There's something about the way that there's like, there's a melancholy in mm-hmm. the world from the color grading to the kind of attitudes that are present from, from all of the characters in the movie to even mm-hmm. like the overly, overly enthusiastic game show from the psychic. Like there, there, all of this kind of feels like it's, it is uniquely of the early 2000s of this weird listless period of this transition point of the 90s and this weird new millennium. And this new millennium, as as our boy Hari would probably put it, is filled with worms and they're eating mm-hmm. the future. And the more that you kind of look, it feels that that especially with the with the end where Kagutaba is out. There is there there is no happy ending in this movie. There is no bittersweet no. ending. There is, it is a foregone conclusion that uh, that Kobayashi and his family die, and this thing escapes. Everyone yeah. fails to stop the evil, and it is out at a world that feels like it was preparing itself for something horrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it, it all just seems to line up with a lot of, yeah, the, these trends, trends going on in Japan. You know, I, I think I, you know, again, like we had said, the, the plot for this is kind of complicated. It flows much better when you're actually watching it. But like, you know, w- one of the characters commits suicide at one point in the film. One of the, um, there, there is a, actually two, two characters at least commit suicide. And then there's, you know, the, the illegal abortion theme and stuff. It's like, this is just all, all stuff that's going on in Japan right now is like, you know, an epi- a suicide epidemic on top of, you know, this sense that, that, you know, the, the birth rates are going down and the future's caving in and the middle class life isn't attainable anymore. And, you know, um, you know, our, our kind of, uh, Hikikomori, uh, stand in, um, of, of Hori is also this guy who is also very in touch with the rot that seems to be present in society you know, because he's, you know, he's, he may be like erratic or whatever, but he's, he's clearly seeing something that no one else is seeing and able to, to sense it. And what does he get? He gets put in a mental institution. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a very cold reflection of the state of like what capitalism has done to Japan at this point. It feels like the, like the soul has been ripped out and there's just a, a body that is going through the motions while the soul's like screaming mm-hmm. for that's only i i know that some people do not care for hori in the movie and he but i think that that's the point of his character is that he is screaming at a future that nobody he's screaming at things that nobody else can see but he can see clear as day and he's afraid he doesn't know how to stop them yeah yeah, I mean, he's actually, he's probably my, one of my favorite characters in the movie. Um, I think because of that, I, I, yeah, there, there's a real sense that, yeah, yeah, he, he, in some sense, yeah, represents the lost generation, which at this point, you know, is like 10 years out of college. They're in their like, you know, between like late twenties to early thirties at this point. Um, and they, they have, you know, been stuck and, and locked up and, you know stuck working shitty jobs and whatever and they they see the shit that's going on right now and everyone else kind of feels like they're 
cold and you know even like the the you know i i know this is just kind of run in the mill for a lot of j-horror but actually everyone acknowledging the magic is just like oh yeah that's true kind of fits into this too where it's like the world's crazy and everyone's just acting like it's it's yeah whatever (laughs) oh okay so they had a ritual that they used to do and now it's not done, so an eldritch being has been has returned. Right, right, of course. Gotcha. Now we need to do the ritual. Okay, we under all right, we understand where to go now. There there's some weird like I that's something that I love in this movie though, is that no one's like, What the fuck are you talking about that there's like an eldritch deity underneath the water from a village that was flooded? What the fuck are you talking about? No one does that. It is taken completely at face value that oh, oh, okay, all right. So the, how do we trap it again? That's the question. It's not, <laughs> what do you, there's, there's a demon mm-hmm. that they're, that they summoned and now they're trying to keep, what? That isn't, that isn't a focal point of the movie. I think the movie benefits from that. It feels like even though the implausible, the magical and the horrifying exist, the fact that it's not questioned just posits that we've become numb to even the unknowable it's just another facet of life Mm -hmm. yeah there's a there's a degree that it it even has yeah yeah that there's been kind of a disenchantment that's taken place you know that that even if even though yeah yeah the magic is real it's it's just another thing it's it's the source of uh entertainment on tv you know, we have psychic children. Let's see which one's the real psychic. Whoa. You know, like that's it's it's everything kind of is becoming, I don't know, commodified or whatever. Um, it's it's the commodification of of the eldritch of the impossible. And the, the when you're presented with something so fantastical, your immediate response is, well, how the fuck do I uh, how do I <clears throat> oh, I cut that out. <clears throat> How do I uh how do I package this and sell it to people? Yeah, how do we monetize the rot? Now, now while Neroy, I think this reading is bit, like kind of really apparent, the kind of context that it's it's made in is really apparent. Um I think what we're going to have more of a challenge with here, but I am I am excited to give it a shot is a reading on uh, file 1, you know, Senritsu file 1 here. Oh boy. In light of this stuff. I think we can do it. I just, um, you know, well, we'll, we'll, for one, we'll I, I, th- I think that you, in a film analysis sense, these movies are definitely connected because they're directed by the same person. You and they can feel see, really similar. They feel like they're set in the same world. They, they don't, it feels like one is continuous of the other. Yeah. Yeah, Sinritsu feels like, you know, because again, it's, it's another film that follows a paranormal investigator who has to end up learning about local folklore and stuff like that. Um, but I think the, the major difference is that I, the Sinritsu movies, at least based off this worst one, this first one, is like, uh, they're like the, the X-Files. <laughs> <laughs> like the the uh, you know set in the the X Files set in this world as opposed to like the the you know long two hour found footage epic about this world. This is like the uh, serialized kind of we go and we we a monster of the week kind of thing that I assume builds somewhere. Of course, as it goes, it it does um, it does. 
And also, uh, this one is the paranormal investigator in Senritsu is an asshole. And that's, uh, that's what makes it a lot funnier. <laughs> I think the Neroi. <laughs> you say asshole. I say best horror protagonist since Ash Williams of Evil Dead. <laughs> the, the pro beats up at least two people. Maybe three. I'm trying to remember now, but I he, think he it's really three. starts just beat. <laughs> just do we <laughs> do we count do we count the attempted vehicular manslaughter on the specter as a fourth? <laughs> Maybe we do. I think we do. Yeah. Okay. There's a there's a point in I forget which movie it is, but there's a point in one of them where he he comes out with a baseball bat and says, "I'm gonna kick the shit out of the demons." <laughs> <laughs> I uh I am yeah I'm excited to I will probably try my try my best to to go on and watch the rest here but um so to to throw in the historical context side of this this um this one is going to be what 7 years it was 7 years after Neroy um, yes and so in that time I wouldn't say things are great in Japan by at this point but they have gotten better uh the economy's gotten well, actually, the economy still kind of sucks, but everybody has started to adjust their life into a real big emphasis on frugality toward the 2010s. And so because of that, everyone started really, really hyper saving money. And so there, there was a degree where people like even though the economy didn't quite recover, people had found a way to keep going. And so it was kind of, I mean, the, the new normal had been accepted to some extent and our, you know, the solution to the new normal is, look, you're not going to be making as much money. So we're just going to save and recycle everything we can. Um, that's kind of the cultural shift that takes place over this, this next, like two decades here or, you know, next and your employer has, movies. has no obligation to you. There's mm-hmm. your, this job, like the job that you find is not going to be the job that you have until you retire. That that is the the reality now is that well it's gigs now mm. not quite the gig economy but it's there's a a feeling of impermanence. Mm. I kind of like uh, maybe hmm. I, I, we'll see how that kind of inf- affects how we look at this movie then because there's um yeah there is kind of a tonal shift between these two movies that I wonder what can be kind of reflective of that. Let's see here. So. Um, our little our little duo here, our little um our, our X Files duo, Paranormal Investigators, uh are are going out and they're investigating Trio. Don't forget sighting. the cameraman. Don't forget to uh, excuse me. I forget about the cameraman. Um because he's behind the camera, so he becomes much more present in the later movies. In a... <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get to those at some point. That would be fun. I would I would like to return to these. Um yeah, so <laughs> the um yeah, they're investigating this 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 video of the the slit-mouthed woman that um these these two guys had taken this video of a woman in a mask who seemed to be talking to herself or whatever and they they kind of, you know, we're looking at her, she looks and then she sprints way faster than can be humanly possible at them. They take off running. And so our, our paranormal investigators go and they run a few experiments where they see how fast they can run. Uh, they like try to recreate the footage and see how fast they can run to, to see just how fast this this apparition was running, which is very funny, actually, thinking back it's, on it. It's it's also that it's the way that the actors are playing it. It's so real in a 
like a you it feels like it's an early 2000s youtube video that you just kind of yeah. find <laughs> It's like what the what are these dumbasses filming in the middle of the street? That's how it feels, but it doesn't feel fake either. It's scary, but it is it it's definitely more comedic uh than than Nori. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean just like yeah, there's a degree that it, it feels like like the yeah, like an early 2000s YouTube video of like some guys that had been watching Mythbusters or something and had kind of like decided to make videos loosely based off that vibe. That's kind of like how it feels in these are this beginning part because they're yeah they're they're testing how fast the running can can be done and stuff. It's um we should probably yeah, mention so they, that the uh, that the what they find uh, the the slipmouth woman is a very well known urban legend in Japan. Probably at least I think the most well known urban legend and yokai that you you that's find right. in in japanese media that's right and also um i i don't this is according to the movie i don't know if this is true but it was specifically really popular in the 80s which you know i don't know what to do with that information but it's interesting anytime a date appears in in a movie i i, I apply way more significance i think that i should uh <laughs> well it's because that was roughly it it that is the the earliest date that it was put in print uh okay but it'd been around before then yes you can find depictions of of the slip mouth woman in like the early 19th uh 19th century mm-hmm. that that's how that that's how like the ingrained this figure is it's we don't know like the uh, it might have the the earliest roots that they have is like dating back to the Edo the the Edo period. Oh, okay. Um. So it goes from like the nineteen nineteen eighties is when it was first put in print, and it becomes more popular from there. And like most urban legends, it just continues to grow more and more and more. And of course, mm-hmm. how the the character is depicted in. Um, how this character is depicted in media such as uh, manga, movies, video games, from there just further emphasizes this this figure as like a, a as a, like a a central part of just Japanese urban legend. So uh, the sum it up: the slipmouth mm-hmm. woman is a is a is a mutilated woman. Uh, who during her life, uh, her mouth was slit from from ear to ear, and she has a uh, she has a mask that's covering her. She comes up to you and she asks, uh, "Am I pretty?" And if you tell her no, she will uh, kill you with scissors. And if she takes the mask off and she asks, uh, "How about now?" If you say uh, if you say yes, she takes off the mask off and she says, how about now? If you then say no, she will cut you in half. And if you then say yes, she then will make you pretty like her. Ah, uh, <laughs> there's really no winning in this situation. No, to no, be, it, she's clear. a, and I think that the common, the common origin story is that she was the adulterous wife of, of a samurai during life. And, mm, okay. She, she as for for punishment for her infidelity, uh, her husband. Well, let me say that again. Is that weird? <clears throat> uh, her husband sliced the corners of her mouth. In other ones, in more modern ones, it's like a dental pr- procedure that was fucked up. In other ones, it was uh, she was just born with with 
a very strange mutation. Sometimes she's just a fucking <clears throat> ghost. It, like most urban legends, there's multiple versions of it. But right, regardless, right. all of them emphasize that she is a spirit of vengeance that cannot really be bargained with or reasoned with. Your best case is just a fucking run. Or uh, how our boy, the director, finds out the best case might be just to run her over. Yep. <laughs> Oh my god. So yes, yeah, so um you know, moving moving forward, they do their their investigating. They find this like clump of um, you know, these these papers that have been uh, you know, tied to it looks like like a you know, like tied to like a fence or whatever and they're all just like suicide notes. Um so again, we we see the appearance of that theme. Um, and then also like a kind of a, a strange drawing that they, they don't seem to know what it is. And, uh, so, so they, they end up getting those, those papers kind of like checked out. Um, they, they find that, oh, this is where the eighties thing came in. I'm not sure about the slip mouth woman, but, um, I know now looking at my notes for a fact, um, that it was this amulet. So this is what the weird drawing is of. It's, it's this like hair tied into this like weird complicated uh knot which that was a uh, man another motif that we left out with Neroy because there's so many motifs that show up in that movie but it, you know similar kind of thing of this like weird knot that that's kind of associated with some sort of um you know evil, which you evil you find in in a lot of jhar is there's something about this geometric pattern that is evil I don't know why mm-hmm. it feels like this is uh, so uh, listener Josiah is a uh, is not an anime watcher so he's not going to know he's he doesn't he doesn't read mug he doesn't watch anime yeah, he's, uh, not he's a, a fucking normie. weeb and he's, by that I mean I just haven't you, gotten around to it <laughs> don't you dare call me a weeb don't you dare I'll, do I'll that but I'll get around to it <laughs> there there is a a piece of horror media by the master Junji Ito called Uzumaki and Uzumaki is all about how spirals are evil. The This geometric pattern is fucking evil. Stay away from it. So there's this kind of trend that you'll find with some J-horror where there's something about these compli- complicated geometric patterns that are like a window to the other world. Yeah, it's super interesting. Um, and yeah, so this this one, you know, this, this, apparent, this amulet apparently was popular in the 80s and it was made of this like... You know, this hair kind of tied tied into these weird knots and supposedly it would protect you from evil. Um, But supposedly they've been. Oh, sorry. So, yeah, they were popular in the 80s, but it would, you know, supposedly people have been doing these for thousands of years. And uh, apparently it was once used to summon the dead. Uh oh. (laughs) Oh, no. So alongside this, you also have um, and, and this this is either me not paying enough attention or the translation in the the subtitle. So help me out here. Is is the guy supposed to be homeless that they're talking to? The the guy in the park yes. that they keep talking the, to. The the okay. guy in the park is is supposed to be homeless, yeah. Okay. Um so yeah, there's there's a kind of a tent encampment, you know, living in a park and they're speaking to one of the guys specifically there who, you know, they've I you know, they they're talking about they they've seen this. They've seen this uh this uh apparition this slit mouth woman and they they do not they get bad vibes from this woman uh so they 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 don't like they don't like her <laughs> understandable um, i mean given the circumstance <laughs> yeah and so i and then uh you know and then the other aspect of their investigation is they they go and they speak to this medium 
you know, they, they show this medium, a picture of the, the slit mouth woman, you know, you know, wearing her mask from, from the video that was taken at the beginning. And she, you know, the medium just like freaks out, doesn't, uh, doesn't want to be talking about this at all. And, um, Apparently, they basically through through talking to the you know a researcher in the medium figure out that this this the slit mouth woman at least th- this woman we're we're seeing is a uh, Misako Taki who is a, uh, a who was a witch in the village who cursed and killed her lover who was the the actually the medium they're speaking to his younger brother which is why she does not want to fuck with this at all. <clears throat> so after they they talk with the medium, they cut up fuck around they're trying to 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 find her because the operation is like let's capture the ghost so they stage a trap with using because seems like they this she is focusing in on the two yahoos that filmed that video and sent it to our crew which i don't think we ever okay so the the film crew the the film crew is uh uh kudo ichikawa so it's a director's kudo the assistant director is ichikawa and the cameraman who doesn't have too much of a character here but he's around is toshiro so they're mm-hmm. doing like yeah, they're yeah. they're a video production company and they just get fucking sent this by these two these two guys and they decide to stage a trap to capture the woman by having the two um film themselves uh at i believe it's either their apartment or somewhere they're just holding up to to mm-hmm. and to see like to basically act as bait. Yeah, absolutely. And and yeah, apparently they they've had multiple times now that they they believe it's the woman but they don't know. Someone comes and knocks on their door. Um yeah. and doesn't respond when they say who is it and then eventually disappears. So they're they're going to they're going to wait outside and wait until the woman, you know, shows up and knocks on the door and then they're going to capture her. That's that's the game plan. And this uh this doesn't go super well. <laughs> uh, not not really. There was some there were some flaws in the in, in the planning stage and in the execution <laughs> stage. Um so the film crew's like like they're in a car. Kuda Kudo is the one who is who is driving. Uh the rest are, are are in a car that like to see where like where is she going to be coming from and to try to to catch her when she comes to the door. She does eventually come to the door and this time um she she does knock. Well, okay, so they try it once. They it, she knocks and they set up a camera and they see all right someone did come to the door. So they start tracking the neighborhood twenty four seven and they're they they decide all right we have to keep on this until we can actually get a response from her and see if we can if we can catch her yeah uh, i believe that ichikawa is the voice of reason that's that says you know, this all this this seems like a, a idea. great idea like the best idea in the world <laughs> kudo i i don't know this guy seems just motivated to fuck over the supernatural in whatever way he can so that's where his motivation's coming from yeah yeah like like i mentioned like like he he beat up the homeless guy for information yeah he did <laughs> like like i mean he basically attacks the medium <laughs> he this, he attacks this the guy medium. <laughs> <clears throat> You can argue that he also strong arms the two the two that sent the video. 
Yeah, I don't think they want to do this this bait thing. <laughs> they don't seem to be all like necessarily uh, all gung ho for this. So they after they see okay, no, this thing is coming is is coming for them and knocking on the door. They go around and fully scope out the neighborhood and decide. All right, this is this is where she might be coming from. This is where we we could. Uh, this is where we could drive from. She'll be coming from here. It's it's a it's a weird operator style way of trying to catch a ghost. Um, and so, lo, you know, after a few days of doing this with no success, lo and behold, the the woman does, in fact, arrive and and does does her thing. She comes up and she knocks, and uh, you know, the two inside, you know, try to try to ask, you know, try to try to get her to say anything, and she doesn't say anything. And then one of them gets the smart idea to say, since they had figured out, of course, through the research that, you know, this this woman used to be uh, Misako, um, Misako Taki, uh, she, this, this guy goes, okay, uh, Misako, is that you? And then, you know, kind of take it aback, the ghost replies, yes. Slipmouth woman replies, yes. And he goes, um, oh, I don't think you're Misako. Um, Great idea, man. And, Antagonize yeah, the ghost. Yeah, and then suddenly, like, it's hard to tell exactly what's happening, but you see from this, like, the footage that's happening that one of them seems to be getting, like, pulled toward the the <laughs> the door. Like, clearly a force is trying to get him to open the door, and he's trying to fight it. She's, um, like, hovering it's, her it's, hand, and it, the, it's, the implication is that she's doing it. That she's trying to force him to open the door. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's, like, possessing him or something. Yeah, and he's he's trying to fight it. So, you know, realizing like they're, you know, the, so the, the three outside, of course, are uh, Kudo is on the phone with with them and hearing them screaming and panicking. And so the only thing he thinks to do is to honk really loudly and see if that draws the attention of the ghost, <laughs> <laughs> which does distract her. And she uh, she comes up to the car. And so my, my boy Kudo uh, hits hits the ghost with a car. And she doesn't disappear, by the way. He he hits the ghost. She goes down. It's clear that this isn't pleasant for for her. It's it's not how you usually handle this, but apparently it was it was unexpected. But yeah, yeah. So she like goes down for a second, and everyone's like, "Oh God, I think I think we killed her." And then she pops up and looks scary as shit. So you got your little jump scare kind of. <laughs> she she. She gets up, and I think Kuda decides, oh, I guess I just have to run her over again. <laughs> well, no, 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 he doesn't do that. No, he does something even more buckwild. He, like, he, he's also swearing about her throughout this entire, like, fucking witch. I knew that she was going to come after them. I knew it. Keep recording. <laughs> Kudo, my man, my boy, after seeing that running over the ghost did not, in fact, work, decides he is going to park the car, takes out a baseball bat, and says, I'll be back. Uh, unfortunately, though, she has she has run off, and they, they search for her for a bit, um, angrily and, and with much profanity, but, but they do not find her. 
and uh, a little pop up, like a little bit of text afterwards, it, you know, tells us that uh, one of one of the guys that was in the apartment went disappeared shortly after. So the the final little scene of the movie is they they talk to the landlord and um, you know are able to go go look in the apartment. And they find that inside of the art inside of the apartment is the amulet that like hair amulet we'd been talking about, except it looks like it's five of them tied together in kind of like a swirling pattern. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Pretty unsettling. And um, as they leave the apartment, uh, the, the camera catches an apparition in the in the dark. One of the um, scariest the fuck. That is the scariest fucking scene of this movie. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That, that is, last that, pre- that last shot has haunted me since I saw this way back uh, last year. I to paint the the picture for for uh, for both Josiah and uh, for the lovely listener listening in. I was in a very dark room in the middle of the night watching this. And then <laughs> oh that scene happened and it was raining outside. And <laughs> all of the lights in, in the in in my dorm were were off and no one was oh, in yeah. the dorm with me. All my roommates were gone. And it's just this yeah, it's hard to explain how like what like what it looks like cuz the apparition because it just doesn't look human. It's a figure of some sort. And it's only visible because, you know, they turn up the contrast and the or the exposure really high um, on the image to show you what's happening, you know, what's hiding in the dark. And it's it just looks wrong, like a melted face. I don't know. Like, it, it just doesn't look it's, right. It's a depiction Lopsided. of of the, I I almost want to say that I think that you should watch this movie just to see that last scene because it works so well in being a genuinely unsettling, mm-hmm. not just it there. It's the fact that it's that, that she's there anyway, both that and then her true form mm-hmm. that just rides through your skin, man. It is scary. It's, it's stuck with me. It, it's extremely well done. Yeah, it gets me wanting to watch more of these movies too because if there is a general theme to like like story kind of ongoing with all of them, I want to want to see where it goes. I did uh I did send Josiah a picture of what the the this uh depiction of the slip mouth woman uh looks like. Uh, Josiah, if you would would you like to paint a picture of how of how she looks? Oh my god. It's you know, like um she's she, you know so it's it's a woman in like a kind of a trench coat and skirt but the more notable thing is that her face is fucked up so it's like si- sideways the complete opposite like the opposite direction it should be you know it's sideways looking forward and then the mouth is running down the neck and this like long stretched out neck that has a, a long mouth with many teeth going down it it's it's yeah as so it's this, wrong. Is, it looks this image wrong. you sent me is what is what they they were trying to do with the <clears throat> with the end shot specifically because now I see it I do see the shape there yes yes and if you look at the uh, the poster on uh, on Letterboxd for uh, for Senritsu it's that uh, you you do uh. get a spoiler image of of what the true form 
of the movie just too like it do it does the traditional version of her and then it does I don't I don't know where this version came from. I was trying to find it for today so I could try to give like where did this separate incarnation of of the slit mouth woman come from? But it appears that this it might have just been a trend on some artists that caught on mm-hmm. to add yeah. a further element of body horror to to her. Yeah. Yeah, I, I could see that. And it, uh, yeah, yeah, it makes me think of, and it doesn't quite look like this, but um, you remember like the the Momo panic that kind of happened? Yes, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it has, it kind of looks similar to that kind of like that way of unsettling to me. I don't know if that makes any sense, but like, even though the image is like the, the, the figure looks different it has a lot of i don't know to me to me the kind of like weird unsettling similarities it's 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 that real like you know the the influence of j-horror long term i feel like was also its impact on like internet um like creepypasta internet stuff you know what i mean oh yeah i don't think that we would have the the modern form of of internet horror without j-horror without um the ring without Without like J horror media coming out of Japan uh, in the late nineties, mm-hmm. early two thousands, the way that we conceive of of like the the scary child has been a thing in Western media, but specifically like the long haired, the long haired, yeah, long black hair, yeah, that's an archetype in the U S. now, and it's now just become an archetype of the broad internet. Uh, all of these unsettling. It's like the 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 rise of of you know globalism, this interconnection of cultures. When the advent of the internet came, you had different cultural identifiers of horror and terror begin to mix together to form what we mm-hmm. would have through the early two thousands and at where internet horror has kind of gone now. Which I, now we're kind of seeing the trend of of analog horror. But for mm-hmm. a while, the biggest trend in horror was, in terms of the internet, was the creepypasta. Well, and, you know, I think even the analog horror has its precedent with, with J-horror. I think that, that in part, that it kind of comes from that. Because if you think of, like, think of um, not not the, like, rest of the movie of The Ring, but just the videotape. Like, just the VHS tape in, in The Ring. And, like, what you see in that. Like, I, I think that kind of, like fuzzy VHSE feeling kind of horror. I, I, I think that's that's got a real real influence. That kind of I don't know, grainy, weird analog look. Um it's something about you know, that there was that the idea of the supernatural interacting with the mundane and especially mundane mm-hmm. technology and outdated technology. Like there's something pr- about about it that there's a permanence to it that it's a the the physicality we have seen you know internet horror that is purely based in the internet that has nothing to really do with the the horror of of the analog uh the you 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 see this in 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 horror stories that came out during the roughly the mid like early to mid 2000s yeah no go ahead well yeah no yeah i was uh i i uh, yeah, and I, I think we've seen kind of a resurgence of the pure online, pure in the computer horror since since uh, 
kind of uh, mid 2010s and then also after 2020 with these like these are not good movies, but like the found footagey type like screen recorded ones like unfriended or, you know, like those kind of movies like there's there's been kind of a resurgence of this like trying to make ghosts on the Internet. But I I really feel like like it hasn't been done quite better than the J horror movies yet. I, I will love to be impressed with something else, but um, I don't know. I, I quite, I haven't quite found something that's like, what if ghosts are on the internet? That's, that's quite unsettling as unsettling as like the images in pulse, like on the, the, you know, monitors throughout it. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. We, we haven't, we, there isn't a, and we're getting ignore the American remake. Uh, there hasn't been like an American pulse yeah. that has gotten that, yeah. that same physicality and, and, just sheer it's i haven't seen a movie imitate the feeling of uh being up late at night scrolling the internet and seeing something that you know that you should not have seen yeah yeah like i i can't i have not found many movies that give me the fear that i had as like a 12 year old and seeing like the the this man image or something like that you know what i mean like the those things just have a um quite bridged over to film well and you know aside from like yeah like we'd mentioned like pulse I, I i can't think of a lot of movies that that give me that same feeling which i think is a bummer because i think that so much of our lives are lived online that i feel like we should be able to 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 comment on that medium you know you you would better think, than and that's do that that's an interesting conversation on its own as to why do we have that difficulty in terms of storytelling to incorporate the internet mm-hmm. the way really that hard. it seems that we've incorporated analog media? Yeah, there's, there is something I, 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 I don't quite know the, the reason, like maybe you could, you could do kind of a boring Mark Fisher reading or whatever, that it's like the inability to like, you know, yeah. See the future really. Um, and it, you know, really even our present, we're just kind of stuck being haunted by the eighties. Um, although I think that's a bit, bit of a, I don't know. I, I think there'd be, there's more to it than that, but that's, that's like something, you know, kind of a, a, a basic kind of thing you could maybe say, but I, I don't know. It, it seems like it, uh, it's, it's something that we just don't know how to do very well. Like even, even like movies conveying people like being on their phones a lot, like, Pretty much all I've ever, I ever see like people being on their phones and scrolling in the context of like films or whatever is when you want to communicate that this, uh, this teenager is being a brat, but like, it's not just teenagers. We all are living on our phones. You would think we'd like have found a way to, to communicate that. And, you know, like, like the reason pulse were, you know, comes out of this, this context of like, you know, the, the internet being, you know, maybe not new, but, you know, been around for a few years in Japan. And then, you know, that coupled with this sense of loneliness and alienation as people were kind of just turning inwards and, you know, you know, kind of turning to uh social or social media wouldn't even exist at the time, but just, it's just the internet, you know, just turning in and, and focusing on their, their screens, you know, on their video games and on their, I mean, uh, like, like forums existed. There was early forms of like, like uh, early forms of what would eventually laid the foundation for social media, right was there right and 
it just feels like outside of certain examples, no one's really gotten the the chance to. I mean, the closest that I can think of one that that I mean does it better is is the book "The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo." That one handles it mm. because it's it's like tech literate because it's aware of of like science like like science fiction has done a better job of of conceptualizing this and it feels that non genre fiction has been able mm-hmm. to 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 grapple with it. It feels like like soft and hard science fiction stories, regardless if they are you know, like techno thrillers, or if they're sort of softly science fiction, or if they're hard science fiction, regardless of what kind of thing it is, it feels that they have a better grasp on juggling this other element that other pieces of literature and and media and art just kind of feels like they don't know what to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and I think that's bad because I, you know, like, you know, like I am bringing up, you know, pulse, like why, why that movie is, is, is so good is because it's tapping into a real like loneliness around technology at that time. And it's like, man, man, loneliness and technology right now, that's a theme that I feel like we could, we could really be doing something with because it's, it's very present. It's, it's very much an aspect of our, our, you know, modern life, especially after the pandemic. I, yeah, I don't know. It feels like it's something that they're going to have to continue to to struggle with and figure. I say they uh, that we as a society um, and as people who consume art and enjoy media and like thinking about it, and the people who create media and art have to juggle with is how do we deal with the fact that the vast majority of our time is spent on the internet scrolling mm-hmm. our phones our computers in making friends through these bubbles that were uh, 20 30 years ago impossible to conceive of mm-hmm. yeah and i mean p- part of that is probably just a problem of like um it it <laughs> it, it isn't very cinematic to like watch somebody look at their laptop for an hour not, not really. <laughs> you know what i mean no. it's 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 hard to do it right. It has you could write it. Right. You you can you can yeah. I uh if uh if you've ever read the book uh, Amygdala Amygdalatropolis, it's that book is primarily like forum posts, like fictional forum mm. posts. And that works because it's 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 in print. Same with uh this other book, uh I forgot what it's called. Um it deals with a it's a murder mystery. Oh, I'm blanking on the name. Um, but like, that's another book that, like, its primary structure is of forum posts that go in a linear. The plot unfolds via forum posts by different people via, um, via like the timeline of the actual story, and it works. Mm-hmm. But it feels like when it comes to visual media, we haven't been able to figure out how to incorporate these things yet. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the examples that, that do try to do it, like I meant, you know, I, I don't know why I, I specifically say unfriended. There's a bunch of other ones like Deadstream, Deadware, um, you know, those movies. The problem is like something, and I, I don't know if that's just because I don't like seeing that technology in movies, which is, you know, then that's a me problem. But like something just still doesn't feel right <laughs> in those attempts at it. You know what I mean? 
Like I argue it's because there hasn't been a good one that does it yet. <laughs> yes. I mean, like I, I, you know, I said on the, on the last free fruitless episode, I kind of defended Deadstream a bit, but that's primarily cause it's funny. Um, but like, I still don't feel like it's a moving reflection on technology. Like, I don't feel like I've seen these movies, which, which these movies in theory should be that, you know what I mean? Like unfriended or Deadstream or whatever. These are, if you choose to set that movie within a technology and about a technology, then it feels like it should be a reflection on that technology. Um, and that's, I think maybe just really hard to do right. You know, part, part of it is, I, I think also like um, a lot of stuff we see that tries to capture the internet just doesn't convey how shitty the internet is. <laughs> it like kind of is they, like a sand. Yeah. They sanitize it. Mm-hmm. It it looks like a Mac ad. You know what I mean? Like it, it doesn't, everything's really slick or whatever. You don't see like the, the movie that's set on someone's laptop doesn't open on them having like a disgusting desktop that is like 10 screenshots. They haven't deleted, <laughs> you know, like it's it doesn't feel like the, the, yeah. Like how compu- at least how I, I don't, you know, how my computer always looks all the time, which is most people have messy, have browsers that you've got too many tabs, you know, you need to close them, you know, but you're just uh, not yet. Not yet. I, I need that open right now. I know I can bookmark it, but I'm going to go back to it later. You have screenshots that mm-hmm. you're going to delete them eventually, but I'm going to do it right now. I, I have this other thing I'm doing. Yeah. You have. Your folders are a mess. Your organization is completely fucked. You're, you constantly say to yourself that, oh, I'll get to it later. I'll get to it later. Your computer is running on low on, on storage. And you say, oh, I'll buy an external hard drive later. Oh, but they're so expensive. <laughs> like, no movie has gotten to, to discuss how the mundanity of the internet. They always still approach yeah. it as if it's something novel yeah and it's not novel anymore now like if you want to do a movie that's going to be like unfriended or something where it's like a screen recording of a laptop the whole time and it has like skype calls or zoom calls predominantly moving the plot i think you also need like yeah uh you know some some safari tab that has like 20 tabs open and you know just oh my god going to your email and it's just mostly shit (laughs) instead of like i you know these movies will show like your your their emails and it's just like you know clearly stuff that they just made up on the spot that's just like conversations they'd been having or whatever that look like it's the only emails you ever get are from your friends rather than just fucking endless piles of shit and ads and ads everywhere you know where's the spam (laughs) where where's the spam where's the endless reading list that you know for a fucking fact that you have never once in your life put your email to but yet somehow you're getting emails about a product that you have no interest in it's yeah and and maybe that's just because it's not you know it's not very cinematic but i think you could make it that way if you wanted to do it well you could either well i you know you know if you wanted to do like an you know unfriended thing or whatever then yeah just need to have lots of zoom calls or whatever to keep the plot going but if you want it more cinematic you know make a movie like pulse or whatever where you know some of it is spent looking at computers but it also captures this apartment that's trashed, you know, that you're, that this person's in and the just kind of, yeah, I don't know. Shittiness of life. 
that's that's I think what what you know that's kind of the the um thing that J horror did well you know at least some examples of it that that just hasn't hasn't uh seemed to to catch on with like more of this modern era dealing with it. Then he said, I'm trying to think how to bring us back to Senritsu, Senritsu because uh, this has gotten pretty far. From well, I, th- I think that, that Sen- Senritsu does it, le- it. It's the X-Files. Senritsu is, despite it being in, two- in the 2000s, it still feels so heavily analog. Yeah, that's true. And, and maybe maybe in some sense it's capturing the this this shift that we're talking about where it's still just it, it isn't quite able to catch up with like, it still has to have this like kind of shitty digital camera and stuff like that, that it's when it's doing these found footage aspects, it, you know, as cameras were starting to look pretty nice in 2012, you know what I mean? Yeah. So maybe, maybe there's a degree of that, that it, it, it has, it's, it's holding on to the analog style, even though the analog style is like falling out at this point. I don't know. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, I don't have any sort of specific political reading of Senrutsu, though. Um, I think that there is the themes of like loneliness, of economic deprivation. You have the homeless camp um, present. I think that's you know that that that's there, and the the suicide notes I think speak to you know that this kind of stuff. But um, I, I think maybe if you wanted it, it would also be a sense that everyone does feel really kind of. I don't know, alienated, like, like the apartment that the two guys live in, it, it seems to like not have any rooms. Like it's very oddly shaped. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a shitty apartment. It's, (laughs) it is the weirdest looking apartment I've ever seen. It, it feels like a warehouse that was just converted into an apartment last week. Yeah. It looks like it's the hallway into an apartment and then the living room. And then that's it though. Like there's supposed to be more, but then the beds are set up in the living room and then there's like a kitchen up off the hallway. Like that's, I don't know. It's, it's just oddly shaped. I don't know. If, I, I don't know if that speaks to anything, but I, I kind of saw that if just like, yeah, everything kind of looks like shit in this movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, everything from like the, the, from their <laughs> equipment to their, uh, from the equipment to, and everyone's like, like, but okay, no, no, it's not everyone. It's it's Kudo. Kudo's the one who's consistently on edge. Everyone else is kind of an antagonistic. Yeah. Everyone else is is relatively laid back. It feels other than the medium for very justifiable reasons. Right, right. Yeah, and there's like, yeah, even, there's just kind of a sense even of when, like uh, when uh, um, when uh, Ichikawa is trying to find out info about the the hair, uh, the hair symbols. Mm-hmm. Kodo's like, don't keep him on the phone. Come on, like, like, fucking s- stop. Don't talk too much. Come on, just, like, just yeah. such a consistent <laughs> asshole for no reason. <laughs> he is a really good character. As I'm thinking about this too, I do want to watch more of these and see how this goes. Because I, yeah, yeah, he's really funny. I, <laughs> um, one thing I, this is also in Neroi too, but was just interesting is. Uh, I realize I have no conception of Japanese uh, profanity at all, like what's considered profane or not, because people would be talking and then I could hear in both of these movies, they, they simulate like, you know, TV or whatever. And so they they bleep out swear words, but the subtitles, I would be like, what fucking word in that got bleeped out? Like I, <laughs> like <laughs> which word of this was, was, you know, has an, a, like a offensive variation 
in Japanese. Like, I, I don't know. Like, like it was kind of obvious when talking about uh, Hori, I think. Maybe it was Hori. So they, they kept calling someone a psycho. And then the word, whatever the word for psycho was, was getting bleeped out. And so I, I assumed that made sense. I was like, okay, I'm assuming there is a, you know, offensive way of saying that. I mean, arguably people, some people would say psycho is an offensive phrase already, but you know what I right. mean? Like it, 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 yeah, it, apparently there's a more culturally considered offensive way of saying that. But like <laughs> during Senritsu, I would just be baffled at what exactly Kudo was saying because the translation would not seem that offensive but from everyone's reaction and from all the bleeping i knew that he was saying something fucked up see in my opinion just get it translated it makes it a better experience because you just have this feeling that (laughs) this man is constantly antagonizing and swearing at every person around him uh yeah because like you you don't like i don't know what it is that yeah i don't i don't dislike this it's just a very funny like you know, not not knowing Japanese, I think, adds kind of a weird feel to this movie because, yeah, like he's, you know, the trans, the subtitle is just saying like we have to go over there or something, but like it gets bleeped like three times. You're like, what the fuck did he say? <laughs> <laughs> it, I I truly wish that we that we get an official translation someday soon because I really want to know what the fuck was he saying that needed to be bleeped out. <laughs> <laughs> oh man god yeah, i his, love his Kona. I, I i could talk about him all day there's just i i have never seen a horror protagonist that his reaction to the fucked up weird shit is i'm going to try to fight it <laughs> um you know what one of the one of the few um examples i could think of is one of the later paranormal activity movies i think it's uh the marked ones um, that's true is it yeah that's one of the only paranormal activity movies where somebody gets a shotgun <laughs> like we're, we're gonna shoot this ghost <laughs> like if, if if japan did not have its uh very extensive um ban on firearms it feels like at some mm. point in this movie kodo probably would have just pulled out a shotgun <laughs> yeah honestly <laughs> Honestly, I wish they could have just done that anyway. Like, even if it was illegal, I think that would add a second, another. Level because to Kodo, it as well. why do you own a shotgun? It's it. <laughs> I there's something so perplexing about this one in that it is presented in a way that is so. I don't know if naturalistic is the right word, but it's not. It's not tongue in cheek, but it is funny. Like this is there's something really kind of funny about all of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's like this low lying wit, and there's also some bafflement. It's slow, but the pacing isn't. Th- it's slow in that it's thorough, but the pacing isn't off. And then suddenly you are whipped with the last scene of this movie, which is of one of the most disconcerting images of a warped human figure. You know. <laughs> Yeah, and you know what? Some of the thorough kind of repetitiveness of it becomes funny itself, too. Like, I I will say, them doing the experiment, it drove me nuts, but it is really funny with the running. Because they would just, it would just be like, replay, and then it would just replay it in slow motion. This does not need to be here. (laughs) That happens so many times throughout the movie where there is a slow motion replay that does not need to be a slow motion replay. (laughs) 
and I that has to be on purpose. It has to. Oh, I I think I think that yeah, he's he's very aware of what he's doing with it. <laughs> it's it's almost like if if this was if you did an American remake of Sinritsu, it feels like it would be a commentary. The 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 easy thing to do would just would be just to make this a a a commentary on um like ghost hunting shows. But this isn't a commentary mm. on ghost hunting shows. Is the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I just don't know the like Japanese TV well enough to know if this is commenting on anything. Oh, we need we need know. to show you some Japanese game shows. They're oh, they're well, they're wild. I I I've I've seen I've seen some. I've seen... <laughs> they're the they they have won they've they have succeeded in uh Japan has succeeded in in game show uh television there is no place on earth that i get as much shot in freude as i do uh off of japanese game shows yeah <laughs> but there there isn't like it's <sighs> the tone of this movie is always weird to me and i i really like this movie i for the faults that are here which there are numerous it is the pacing is while well, i said that it it's i think it works is, yeah it is kind of funky. The acting can be kind of odd at times. The effects are, are not super great. The it isn't I, as it, it. It is kind of slow in parts that it should not have to be. Yeah, like the instant replays. What one thing I've, I'm even noticing is because you gave me the impression, you know, as we were talking about it, you would you would start laughing describing the plot at times, and so I got this impression like this is going to be a really out there hilarious movie, and then I found it like as I was watching like a kind of dry found footage kind of movie and then it's been talking about it that i'm starting to like laugh at it it's like i it like kind of worms its way in your head i don't know it's it's did it's like you a movie again that's kind I, of I, I must, kind of boring must, to watch but then it sticks with you you know i, don't I know. must state I, I must ask you just did you not laugh at kodo getting into a fight with a homeless man for quite literally okay no no, no the, the fights the fights were the ones that like always made me laugh but like the stuff like the instant replays, it would just kind of be like, why, why is this happening? But as I think back on it, it's like, okay, no, that was just really funny. <laughs> that just kept happening. I... <laughs> it, it, it feels yeah. like it's an overly produced mid-budget uh, television show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is this is solid. Like, the more I'm thinking about it, the more, more yeah, I, I like this more than I think I realized when I watched it. Um, it has yeah, to grow on to, you, I think. I, I was I was kind of mm-hmm. geared toward it. Uh, like I was vibing with it from the from the get go because I like the X Files. I I like paranormal investigation uh, stuff when mm-hmm. done well because there's a lot more bad than good oftentimes. But yes. I I like paranormal <laughs> investigation stories, and I dug how grounded and naturalistic this one felt along with the fact that again i i feel like a broken record but i cannot emphasize to you enough that the idea of a man who upon his reaction to seeing a ghost is i'm going to run it over and then i'm going to park my car get a baseball bat out and go hunting (laughs) through the streets for a ghost yelling at it to face me it's it's incredible it's incredible. incredible. This is cinema. This is what this is what we we've, we've been fucking waiting for, man. Well, I will uh, I will put the uh, link to the YouTube of the first one in the show notes. But I will also say, if you are listening to this 
a few months after I've released it, there's a good chance it's not there anymore. Uh, <laughs> because this, this movie disappears. But see it while you can because of that. You know what I mean? And 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 uh demand like start demanding from like I don't know, like arrow video or whatever. Like the those like the cult movie Blu-ray labels. Just start demanding that they put out Senritsu. We gotta make this happen. I wanna like start nice... asking them, hey, where where's the Senritsu? Like I like uh like it it, it again for something that is this dude's longest work and his magnum opus it's wild that it's only in japan mm-hmm. yeah it's it's a it's a bummer so so pressure that and then i yeah i hope i one day will have like a nice you know like seven disc blu-ray like box set of senritsu that's the dream that that's the dream i would love to have in this economy show. that's all i can dream for <laughs> i we i just want my movies Please just give me I my movies. I just want my movies. <laughs> well, um, I think that's probably a, a good sign to start wrapping up here. Um, any any thoughts about um, Neroi, Senritsu, or J-Horror broadly before we uh, close it out here? Uh, it was fun getting to revisit uh, J-Horror because it's been a minute since I've, I've properly g- gotten mm-hmm. back into it. I started a little bit ago with... with uh, rewatching the ring but it it was a nice it's a nice mood to get into especially during the halloween season it's nice to kind of get away from the typical halloween fair that we have on rotation and sit down mm-hmm. and watch something that kind of feels a little bit more in the case of nori unnerving and in the case of sinritsu fascinating mm-hmm. yeah 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 Absolutely. They feel unique. It it they feel like like we've only just more recently s- have seen movies coming out of the US that are similar in tone and in being a little bit weirder mm-hmm. that these movies feel. I Nori uh before I saw um before I saw Savage Land, I thought was one of the best found footage horror movies of all time. It still is, but I I, I hold Sa- Savage Land to be Savage the Land best. Yeah, now, now I'm trying to think. You know what? We'll save the question for what uh what the best found footage movie is. We'll we'll argue about that on the the fruitless Halloween special. That's right. Uh, I didn't get a fourth guest, and so uh for the Patreon. Uh, subscribe to the patreon now uh i'll be hanging out with jackal and maybe some other folks we'll see i i've been uh people are busy but uh we're we're gonna hang out on the patreon and just uh chat about vaguely halloween stuff uh no specific movie in mind probably just talk about whatever and uh and i've decided we're gonna we're gonna argue about what the best found footage movie is so there we go (laughs) <laughs> and and you can you can get in on that discussion uh in the fruitless discord that's right yes uh join the yeah join the patreon and you'll get exclusive access to the discord and all that good stuff but um aside from the patreon last thing we probably want to plug is uh where can they find you jackal if if they want to well if you want to find me uh i do two podcasts with uh this uh, lovely individual here, uh, Josiah. Oh, yeah. I do Mammonberg oh, yeah. with Josiah, along with our other uh, fantastic friends, Phil and Finch. And we also are doing a Law and Order show called The Good Apples right. with Josh and Chimera. 
And that is, uh, yeah, I don't know. I haven't talked about that much on the fruitless on fruitless, but, uh, yeah, you guys should check that out. It's been a lot of fun. It has. I've, I've, I'm still very critical of law and order, but man, this show, when it knows, when it, when it knows how to write a good episode, it's a really good episode. It's, it's really good. It is. Yeah. That is the tension of the show fundamentally is disagreeing with most of its politics, but also admitting that it is damn good TV. Uh, <laughs> all right um but yeah uh so thank you everybody for listening and uh enjoy enjoy your night uh or day or whenever the hell you're listening to and i will hopefully see you on the patreon This show is brought to you by our lovely patrons, who include Stephen Atkinson, Elizabeth Power, The Worst of All Possible Worlds, Moss, Kyle Gannis, Thomas C., James R., Leo Zachary Dickinson, and of course, Chris Barker. If you like what you heard today, don't forget to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, or really wherever you get it, if it's got a rating system that, uh, that helps us out. Um, and definitely don't forget to check out the Patreon so you can hear more of uh, Jackal and I talking about horror movies for the fruitless uh, Halloween special. I think that's how I'm framing it. Uh, and that should be out here in the next few days. The Patreon's also got a couple episodes in the back catalog thus far, a conversation with my friend uh, Leo about being raised homeschooled, and a conversation, two conversations actually, with Josh Christensen. One about The Last Exorcism, part one and two, and one about evangelicalism from our little evangelicalism month in September. And uh, with that, have a good rest of your day, evening, whatever time you're listening to this, and I hope to see you again soon.